Jen and Millie, we're a Gen Xer and a millennial, and a guest today, share the strength-based perspective through which they view the world. We are your hosts, Allison and Tess. And before I introduce our special guest today, um, I want to give her a heads up that I'm going to ask her to do her own introduction, naming her top five. Her Enneagram, um, is it style? Enneagram number? Type? Type Okay. And her zodiac sign and which which of the which generation she most identifies with. So I just want to give you a heads up, JC. I'm going to do a little short introduction about you, but then I'm going to want you to introduce yourself to our listeners. Uh, JC is no stranger to Jen and Millie and has been a guest previously. Tess and I prefer the terminology a seasoned participant. We're very grateful to have her. JC is a leader in a number of capacities. And the one I admire most is as a mom. And um, that will be one of a list of questions that I have for her today is the balance of the work that she does. Um, She is in leadership at the Rapid City Shields store. And Shields in general, um, I've learned a lot about over the past year, is an organization that does culture really, really well. We talk about that phrase a lot on here. We talk about that phrase a lot when we talk about leadership and we talk about engagement. Um, But I've been kind of in awe of witnessing JC in the world and witnessing how she shows up with a high level of integrity and a high level of engagement for everything that she does. I got to know JC through teammates. I was very lucky to have her in the audience when I did a training um, years ago in South Dakota as we were doing expansion and um, have become quite fortunate to get to know her even better, her family, her friends, and her colleagues. Um, One of the things I'd like to introduce with is a reminder to our listeners that each and every one of us is a leader in our own right. But I think it's really important that we do so authentically. And with that comes knowing who are your complementary partners and who are people that are serving on your personal board of directors, concepts we talk about a lot here. This morning, I'm lucky to be in the space, and it is early here in Denver. I am lucky to be in space with two people who serve on my personal board of directors. I learn from both of these individuals regularly, and I'm very fortunate to have the opportunity to have a conversation with them in more depth here today. So good morning, JC. Would you introduce yourself um, with those lovely facts about you? Good morning. Yes. Um, So my top five, um, harmony, analytical, individualization, connectedness, and belief. Uh, My zodiac sign, I'm a Leo, and I'm an Enneagram five. I don't remember what else you asked me to ask. That was quite the list. I think that was it, wasn't it? Okay, perfect. Did I miss something, Tess? That might have been it. Sorry, I was distracted. I I was trying to recall when you joined us. I knew it was during the pandemic. You are our very first veteran seasoned, I was going to say repeat. Um, Let's go for a three-peat because you're so wise and I'm so excited about this conversation. But um, just if you're newer to the Jen and Millie uh, stratosphere. Uh, JC joined us uh, in 2020, May of 2020, week 70. Um, if you want to go back and listen to our very first conversation with JC. 
So we are glad to have you here. I was excited today, um, waking up bright and early to think about a conversation like this that could help me get started with my week, but also kind of thinking about the, we're in December, um, getting close to my favorite time of the year, which is New Year's, a reminder of the learning and the celebration of the previous year, and then what's ahead for um, the new year. And I have a list of questions, as of course I like to do. Um, but one of the things I wanted us to start with is, um, again, my admiration for JC as a leader. JC, how would you describe your leadership style? That is such a great question. Um, I think my leadership style really looks like influenced heavily by individualization. So I like to see where where each person's individual talents lie and figure out where they fit best on the team, give them hopefully some tools in order to be do that role well, and then get out of their way. Um, I would rather them do something that they can do that they're at their best in. And so I have a team of 19 leaders that that I get to lead every day and using their strengths to hopefully put them in a position where they can be most successful. And then I try really hard to get out of their way. Um, I check in with them often, um, especially my newer, less veteran, less seasoned um, leaders. But um, if they're doing something that they love and they're naturally wired to be good at, they don't need me to do anything other than encourage them to do that um, to, to do it in the way that they would do it because they will do it very differently than I would and most of the time significantly better than I could do it. Um, I realized what the last question was that she did not answer because um, it's here on my notes. What generation you most yes, align with? I knew there was another one. <laughs> Um, so I straddle this Gen X millennial line. Um, I'm in that group called Zennials uh, that is kind of trapped in between these two, but I think I most associate with Gen, uh, Gen X more so than as a millennial. Um, I'm curious. Can I can I interject with other follow-up questions as we're talking, yes, Allie? I know course. you have like a pre yeah. preset list of questions. Um, I think you noted it here, uh, JC. But I think a lot of our depictions of what leadership or like what business looks like, especially in like a corporate setting, right? It's like accomplishing these outcomes, adhering to these metrics, right? And so I wonder, like, do you ever feel like you come into tension with your individualization that has to give up a little bit? However, your leaders choose to execute, even if it's different than how you think or the company or how people have done it before. Like, how do you navigate that tension? Because individual is so individualization begets total customization and you noted a lot of freedom in them being able to do it however they want to do it right so does that come into tension at all and how do you wrestle and navigate with that tension yes my individualization gets me off the rails sometimes um, and so i'd say the best answer to that is i've got some really good complementary partners that lead with high consistency mm. and they can kind of come alongside be like okay um we are setting a precedent here are you sure this is what you want to do mm. um and so zach is one of my assistant store leaders leads with very high consistency and we joke about it i mean we kind of go to blows at times on things um, which makes us both better i can push him out of his box a little bit and he certainly does mine out of my 
like lack of box. Um, I also lead with high analytical, so I really like systems. So systems, numbers, facts, I think that is also kind of an internal complementary partner to not just let things go and be what they are. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Mm. And when I hear belief, you know, it's just like there's this foundational sort of inner compass structure to to what you what you do and say and how you do the follow through. Um, this is, um, something that came up for me almost immediately as I was writing down notes. I think we all have kind of our, our go-to leadership examples or teachers, writers, um, practitioners. And I know JC is a big fan of Adam Grant. And I have learned a lot about Adam Grant through JC, but also just I've listened to him more. And recently I was listening to the three hour, no kidding, three hour Huberman lab uh, podcast where they, where he brought Adam Grant in. And if you're not familiar with Mr. Huberman, wow. Um, that's a really great podcast, but you need to set aside some time. And if you're me and you need your notebook to take notes, you cannot listen to it while you're driving or running, um, which are the two times I really like to listen to podcasts. But one of the things that Adam was talking about that stood out to me when I was thinking about having you on, JC, is something that I think you do naturally well, and he was naming out loud that he does as well as a leader. Um, he didn't realize that he was good at spotting talent. He didn't know that was actually like something that was unique to him, that he sees the potential in other people. He sees where they are great. He can help them identify stories of their talent. And he was talking about how one, I think, year, it was during a week time frame, he wrote to 100 people, 100 people in his life, stories, um, anecdotes of where he saw them at his best, their best. And he said it was the best week of his life. He was naming the talents of other people and helping them, you know, really be seen and known for who, who they are and what they're, what they're good at. JC does this really well from the time that I first met her, um, she kind of pulled me aside and introduced herself in a way that wasn't, um, hey, here's why I'm here. She introduced herself in a way of, hey, I want to know how you got here and I want you to know that I'm really glad that you are here and here's what I see in you. And that has been consistent um, from the time that I met you to um, you helped me significantly with my transition um, from teammates um, and into this new solo artist life um, and, and really um, thinking about ways for me to naturally aim my talent. So in listening to Adam Grant, it's like you, you two are aligned. You should hang out uh, quite a bit. I think, I mean, I'm just making a plug Adam Grant, if you're listening, you should, you should hang out with JC, but who else inspires you when you think about those kinds of um, great examples of leadership, great examples of um, people who create culture where they, wherever they go, um, thoughtful um, researchers. Uh, who else comes to mind besides Mr. Adam Grant? He's certainly the easy one to choose, but um, I've been really fortunate to work with some great leaders um, at, at Shields over the course of the last 
many years that I've been here. And so I think about people that I've learned. I think I pick up little tidbits and language from people. Um, and it's probably individualization and, and analytical there combined of just stealing from great leaders the things that they're doing. I can see why they're successful. I'm like, okay, if they do it this way, I could borrow a little bit of that, but still keep my own lens on that, not just copy. I did that when I was a, a very young leader. Oh, I should lead this way. This person is successful. I'm going to copy exactly how they lead. And that was not authentic at all. It was me trying to be like them. And I think now I just store that data and think, okay, I could take this and apply this. Or that reminds me of this person. That might be a helpful tip that I could give this person who's, who's struggling in this area because I see this other person doing that well. Um, so I think there's a lot of leaders across the company that do that for me. Um, I think serving on nonprofit boards has been something that's been a gift to me. I have learned way more from those people than, than I've probably offered to the, those groups of people. And um, my mentor in the nonprofit world um, is, is, she ran our local United Way. Her name's Renee Parker. And I learned so much about grace and poise and how to assume goodwill in people from her. And she's still somebody I... I, when I hear her name or get a text or send her a text or think of something that reminds me of her, I just think about how grateful I am that our paths crossed at some point, you know, in 2008 when we first met. Um, so I think I'm influenced by everybody that, that I run across, but I run it through this lens of, does that seem to be true, right? High belief, like is what they do accurate? Is that truthful? Does that align with my values? And how can I take something from them that will make me a better leader or my teammates better leaders. So much Literally strength. like, yes, there's so much strength spotting that I know <laughs> I Tess know, is just- I know, like, I'm just like on the edge of my seat, like gosh, that analytical is also shining too. Like you're collecting all of this data from all of your experiences, right? And filtering it through this, this analysis, right? Like you're doing this internal analysis all the time of how it aligns with your values, how it aligns with what is your most authentic self, uh, right? And then also what kind of leader do you want to be? It's like a retrospective, introspective, future casting type values oriented analysis of, of your experience with people, which is just, it's, it's really cool the way that you describe it. And what a great way for us to get out of those of us who don't have high analytical or don't know what it's like to have high analytical for us to have a broader lens and not make the assumption that analytical equals crunching numbers. Um, you just made analytical come to life in the human, very human form. I mean, aligning it with your values and talking about mentors in your life, which was another question I had for you. Along the lines of assumption, and Tess, I want you to answer this question as well. So after JC, I want you to. Um, what do people get wrong about you? Um, until I'm... Until I get to know people, so I also lead with deliberative. So I am in my head a lot, like high intellection, high input, analytical, deliberative. I am in my head, so I like to process things before I speak. And so sometimes that comes across as cold or maybe uninterested in what's going on. It's actually the opposite. I want to find those places where we can connect. And so I'm thinking through a lot of those things. But um, 
naturally, being numbers and facts oriented, I could spend quite a bit of time building spreadsheets, studying numbers, and so less extroverted. Uh, so I think quiet and maybe not interested or not as engaged with new people would probably be two things. And then also number cruncher, which I do like. I'm, I'm okay if you call me a number crunching nerd. That's accurate. People have no idea how funny you are. I mean, truly, um, that was some, certainly something I got wrong about you. I thought, oh, well, you know, here's here's my sense of humor and we'll see how this lands. JC is funny, very funny. Um, I appreciate that. I think that's a really good question um, that I've been pondering about this this month. Like, what do people get wrong about you? is kind of a nuanced sort of duality to the, we talk about here in the podcast and we talk a lot um, in the work that, that all three of us do, what is right about people. I thought asking a question like, what do people get wrong about you might be a different lens for us to kind of blend in both the strength-based uh, positive psychology approach and, and the reality of how those strengths show up. Tess. Yeah, um, and I am going to note to give you a little bit, I'm going to ask you to do this too. Um, before I answer it um, myself, I think I really like this question too because it takes this idea and, and a question that I have for JC um, just in general um, is just like how do you utilize or how has the utilization of personality assessments or self awareness tools, right? How has that impacted your leadership, right? And Ali, you say all the time, self-awareness is, is incredibly underrated. And I think this idea of what do people get wrong about you is like another step. It isn't just self-awareness. It's self-awareness to the extent of how others perceive you, right? Which is a next level. It's looking at others and how they look at you, right? Um, which we can get to self-awareness, right? But that's a little bit of an additional step is awareness of self, awareness of projection of self, but then awareness of receipt of that project projection on the part of another person. So it's like an even, <clears throat> even another step, right? So I really appreciate this question because we're always like, I feel like we talk about, we talk a lot of, about a lot of similar things over and over again. Like there are so many patterns of conversations and themes that show up within our, within our conversations. But I think this lends itself to even greater self-awareness in, in terms of like how, how does then that land with people? Um, I think for me in a really similar way, and actually something I've had a lot of conversations about recently, and I know that I've noted here on the podcast, being coming to DC, I came for the purpose of this PhD program, right? And so all of my people that I've met through the program knew me in this context, right? And that hasn't always been the case, right? Like I've met friends through church and through groups and undergrad and teammates. And, you know, I generally have like built a community of people from various sources. And so for all people to come through this one space has led to like a lot of people having, you know, similar initial conceptions of who I was. And I got the chance to do, um, uh, this game that I'm sure you all have heard of, We're Not Really Strangers. Um, my friends and I have that game. Um, and one of them recently got the Friendship Expansion Pack. And so it was like all specifically like friendship based because it's initially designed for partners, right? So there's a Friendship Expansion Pack. So 
um, actually just like last week over like Thanksgiving week, we, uh, we went through some of those questions. And one of those questions was like, what was your initial, like recall back to the very first time we met and what was your initial impression of me? So it's interesting you asked that question because I literally have data from my own experience of people that met me a couple years ago. Um, and a lot of them, um, like thought that I came in was all business wanted to get things done, was the person that they could rely on for stats and data help. Uh, the you know I don't have the strength of analytical high, but a lot of my other thinking themes makes it look so. Uh, analytical is 24, it's the lowest of the thinking themes for me actually. Um, and, and yeah, but it's just this idea of being very uh, get in, get done, do really well, be a good student, um, all of that kind of stuff. So a lot of people were like, and it isn't necessarily like wrong, but a lot of people are like, gosh, I didn't like realize right away, like how fun you are and how lively you are and like your love of music and your love of fiction and all of these other things that there's just when someone meets you in a certain context, right? They see you show up, how you show up in that context, right? Um, which is going to look different, right? Based on how you show up in other contexts. And so a lot of them met me through the place of school. So thought that I was very school oriented. It became a thing early on um, to uh, when we hung out socially, you d like it was taboo to talk about anything school related. <laughs> and uh, precisely because, you know, um, of me, I think I'm the one who got us into that, that pattern. So, um, so yeah, not necessarily wrong about, but I think when when people meet you in a certain way, they start mm -hmm. to form assumptions about how you are in all the other ways of your life, which isn't necessarily accurate, right? It's not a picture of your full self. So I feel like that's maybe like people don't understand, like love to watch TV, love to read, like love great music and, and all of these other things that I enjoy that didn't necessarily show up right away. Beautiful. Allie, how about you? Um, First of all, I want to thank you for acknowledging that that's like a next level sort of question that I've been doing a lot of um, a lot of healing work uh, that I didn't know that I needed to do. Um, I think one of the things I've recently come to a better understanding about is um, some of the tools that I have in my toolkit. One of them is forgiveness. It's just like rapid forgiveness. I just, you know, oh, I forgive you. And it just, you know, I forgive you. I forgive you. Um I'm learning that that was probably a tool that I misused in order to not feel pain or anger or frustration. And so I've come a long way in, in learning a little bit about that. And then as both of you know, I went through the 360 feedback experience last year and it was really powerful. Um, so a better understanding for me about what people are getting wrong with me when I, I looked at my feedback and I review it quite often People think that I am uh, confident. People think that I am a badass. People think that I am brave. And what people get wrong about me quite often is I need help. I need um, support. I need encouragement. I need uh, to be part of a team. And so I think what people get wrong about me quite often is the persona, which comes with woo and communication and the jazz hands and the fact that I am public facing as a keynote speaker and a facilitator is that I don't struggle and um, I do need, I need help and encouragement. Back to the feedback piece, um, that word is tricky. And I'm learning a lot about that word. And you know, no one wants to start a sentence with, 
or hear a sentence begin with, could I give you some feedback? No one wants their day to start that way. Um, through the work of Adam Grant, I've learned a little bit about how we could reframe that question. We could reframe this sort of questions like, what do people get wrong about you? Um, and that leads me to the next question that I have for both of you. When you think about what you've learned most in this past year, what stands out? And the follow-up question to that would be, is there anything you would do differently? I think the number one thing that I've probably learned this year from a professional standpoint is how much having a circle of people around me um, that are, that I get to engage with, let's just call it work best friends, right? From, from Gallup's engagement principles. Um, but my friends, Casey and Callie, they do the same job that I do, just in two different locations. And we affectionately call each other the Blazer Brigade. Um, and there is something to that um, in the language of it and just what, what they do for me. And hopefully that's, there's some reciprocity there with them. Um, but my day is infinitely better when I can see that I, that this, there's this whole conversation going on in the chat, whether we are making fun of people, um, mostly ourselves, right? Um, or just situations that we are walking through or these bits of wisdom that will just come across. One of us will read something and be like, oh my gosh, that reminds me of Callie. Um, Callie tells us that we got to work harder. And <laughs> so we, we joke around about it, but she makes me work harder. And so having that really tight knit circle of people that are totally cheering me on, making fun of me, calling me on stuff that I probably shouldn't get away with, just really being known in that. Um, and that's really been a this year thing. I mean, it's been about a year since that, that really started. And we are probably talking to each other three or four times a day, whether it's small little chats or, um, or phone calls. And they have made me an infinitely better leader by just engaging more often. So most of the time we're joking with each other, but there's a lot of times where we are working through some situations that one of us has been through before and the rest of us haven't. And so just leaning on that wisdom and knowledge of each other. And it's, it's been, I can't even describe how different that was than it was a year ago. Anything that you would do differently this year? Also, I got to pause a second. The Blazer Brigade is no joke. And somehow, Tess, they have embraced me into their circle. And these are three of the smartest women and, and badass women that I, I probably, I mean, I know a lot of badass women. Like they just, they do things so uniquely. And they've kind of brought me in like, it's like I'm just this little wannabe blazer girl over here that they brought me into the to the circle. But the things that they cover are so much more than I mean, JC, like making fun of themselves. They're they're just growing as leaders. Every single thing that I see them can I'm on this 360 outside view, right? And I see every conversation that they're having leads to a higher sense of engagement. It's developing them as leaders. And they also are creating this sacred space where they can talk about hard things. And I mean, it's just, it's a beautiful space. Anyway, 
sorry, had to do my little plug for the Blazer Brigade. And I, I certainly hope that they are listening. Also, Casey and Callie. Please. Yes. Yes. Also, what, what does it take to be, uh, to, what's the membership criteria? Because at this point it sounds fabulous. <laughs> I'm not sure you, you want in on all our jokes, but. Um... Well, clearly I don't have to wear a blazer for it, but if Callie and Casey are listening, I hope that they know that they've already this year made my life better. Um, JC, anything that you would do differently this year? Oh, I can think of a pile of things that I would do differently. Um, my word of the year this year is better. And so everything I do, I'm like, oh, how could we have done that better? Or what do I want to do better? So I have, I had just a list, of course, um, of things in among my team and systems um, that I wanted to do better this year. And I'm nowhere near complete with that list. But I think early on in the year, um, I, I wish I would have probably attacked some of those things a little bit harder um, in, in getting after it a little bit more. But um, I think just really being more intentional about one-on-one -on -one meetings with the people that I lead. I, I do those, but I'm not always as well prepped as I, as I could be. And if I would just take 15 minutes prior to that meeting and spend a little bit of time being intentional about what I want to make sure that my point is in that meeting, I could have done that a lot better especially these last eight weeks when everything else is kind of this whirlwind going around. Um, so I think being more intentional with every person that I have the privilege to get to lead with would be at the top of that list. And at home too, just being more intentional with my kids and my husband. Um, I travel a lot more than I used to. And so when I'm home, that means I need to be a lot more intentional um, about how I spend my time and what I'm doing. And I know I could do a much better job there. Jess, how are you? Lesson, lesson learned and then what would I do differently? What have you learned most yet learned from 2023? Most. What would you do differently? And I'm not saying that this is going to limit us because I think we're going to have another episode where we talk about, you know, the end of the year and yes. words of year and all of that good stuff. So yes, don't give sure. away those sure. gems quite okay. yet. Um, okay. But what you learned most from this year and if there's anything you do differently. I think this year has been, and of course we'll elucidate more of those gems in a conversation wrap up for the end of the year, but uh, I have had a year of reaffirming integrity um, of tough decisions that I have made or that have been made for me and sticking to who I am in the midst of all that, personally, professionally, um, and so that's been that's been necessary. Um, again, I think I could list a lot of things that I would do differently, but my mind immediately went to if I could rewind and actually make a different decision, would I have? And I don't know that I would have. Like I could have done things differently, but I think this like greatest lesson of reaffirming integrity, reaffirming sticking true to who I am and my values and what I want to do and who I want to be in the world. Um, I feel like in those tough moments, I feel like I always made the decision that was most aligned with that. 
even if there might have technically been a better decision or a different decision that might have brought greater returns into my life, um, I don't know that I would have. I mean, a, a really good example is I did a workshop this summer and have been, of course, in continual conversation around my dissertation. And everyone is like, you're a quanti- you're, you know, you do quantitative analysis really well and you do statistical modeling really well. Just do a secondary data. Like, that's the easiest. It'll get you out the quickest. And I'm like, but that's not the kind of work that I want to put into the world. I could do really meaningful work with quantitative data, and I have and I will, I know, throughout my career. But with my dissertation, I'm really committed to doing a mixed methods analysis, which will be harder and more work, and but will continue to bring both the how and the what questions, but also bring the why questions as well, which I really want to, um, to also answer. So, um, yeah, I can list things that I maybe would have done differently, but if I actually were given the opportunity to, to do so, I don't know that I would have made different decisions. Learner plus context everywhere in your response. And I mean, sometimes I wish we were recording these so we put them out on the YouTube because you could see Allison's face. Um, I put my hand over my heart when Tess talks about integrity because she really walks it and has been such an example to me. Um, and has walked through some really hard things and stays aligned in her values. And although she is younger than me, uh, she she's a tremendous example to me. So I, I hear and see, and I get to share the space where I know quantitative data that you are doing what you say you are doing. Um, and I believe that that's the um, epiphany or um, epitome <laughs> so early could be both the definition yeah. what i meant was the definition <laughs> of um integrity i think what i've learned most um this year is that connections matter mm-hmm. i um have been just in awe of the connections that have been made on my behalf since i moved here to denver and my circle has expanded and i i've just been um kind of in awe of, of how important connections are. I went from, like I, I like to say, I went from being part of a band my entire life to being a solo artist. Um, and that has been a really interesting segue into this um, new part of me. I think if I had, if I was to do things differently, I would be a lot less critical of myself and a lot more celebratory of um, the hard the hard decisions made. And um, I've got an inner critic that's really strong. Her name is Marie. Um, but I also have um, an archetype, the muse, that, that rejoices in um, exploration and learning. And um, I think the muse has um, an opportunity here to have a, a more solid voice. I have two more questions. Tess, are you good with those? Did you have, I'm sure you have a bunch too. Um, one of the things that uh, I very much admire about JC as um, a leader is um, also in the example of integrity, but I have witnessed this. I believe that we all wear leadership hats in every one of our containers. So you're, this container here, right? We're leaders here. Tess and I, believe it or not, we are leaders in podcasting. 
question mark. Um, I think when um, I think about the different containers, one of the most important roles that I have um, is in my family. And so whether that's in being a sister or um, a daughter or a friend or a mom, one of the um, one of the ways that I greatly appreciate you, JC, is uh, as a mom, how you lead as a mom. And I am really lucky to get to spend a little bit of time here and there with um, JC's kiddos who call me Miss Allison, which is like, it's almost better than Allie because it makes me really sound young and fun. When you say Miss Allison, it's like, you know, I'm, I feel like I could, you know, have a, have a, um, tutu on. I mean, I just feel like really fancy, but what I've witnessed is how your strengths shine as a parent and the very clear complimentary partner that your husband, Nick is to you. And so I wondered if you might share a little bit with us about traditions, fun, structure, non-structure systems, systems that don't even work um, within your family structure. One of them I learned about this weekend was that um, JC's youngest has a real knack for like putting, irritating his older sister. Like he's good at it and he's really thoughtful about it and he's really intentional about it. And I was lucky to have a little bit of extra time with Avery. And I said, being the big sister is so hard. And I was telling her the story about how my brother used to make nacho cheese with like Velveeta and salsa. And then he put that bowl underneath the couch and it would sit there for a month until I would go to clean and I'd move it. And I'd just be so mad. Like what is wrong with him? And so Avery and I kind of connected on that. But anyway, JC, um, when you think about the greatest role in being um, that leader, what comes to mind when it comes to systems, non-systems, complementary partnerships? Uh, well, Nick and I are great complementary partners. We share three of our top six, um, but the other two, he leads with discipline and consistency, which are, you know, in the middle of my strengths. And so when you talk about systems, I like systems because they're efficient and we can get a lot of things done. Nick likes systems because it's very disciplined. And so he, uh, we have kind of a unique situation where um, he's a stay-at-home dad. And so he gets, he runs our house um, and, and the kids and he's constantly, you know, moving kids from point A to point B and homework and, and all of that. And he's just got such great systems and such great routines for how they do things at home. Um, and, you know, you hear other people talk about their partners and the things that drive them crazy about them. But um, I'm so grateful that, that the two of us ended up together because he can handle those things. There's just no way I, I would have those systems in place to make sure that our kids are getting things done and like it's just a gift for him um to be able to to take that on and lead our lead our house in that way um i think we're pretty routined at our house and how we do things um i need to be in bed early and so our kids go to bed at 7 30 every night they can read avery's I don't know, 400 books a year probably. Um, and so she stays up late reading. Xander will be in his room listening to music and Lincoln will be getting in trouble 
um, every night. But 7.30, they are in their rooms. Lincoln is probably playing in his bathtub or whatever that might be. Um, but I think that's a big system for us is bedtime. That way, Nick and I have some time, not very much time because I like to be asleep by about 8.15, um, but a little bit of time <laughs> together um, to uh, have a little bit of adult conversation um, and pray with each other before we go to bed. Just some, some things that really are really important to us um, as a family. But I think strengths too, um, you know, Avery, I had her take the adult version of strengths um, when she was nine. She reads really well. I think she's pretty self-aware. So yes, there's probably some potential that those will change, but having that language with her and then we had Xander take Strengths Explorer and um, just having that language with them is kind of a cool thing as a parent too, to just recognize that. Um, Avery leads with input, so she's got sticky notes up all over her walls and little reminders and she has a thousand questions. Um, so it, that's kind of a unique thing, I think, about how we do life as a family. Strengths isn't just something that I do at work or with my team. Like, it's with my friends. It's with, um, with our family. Um, yeah. I um, have been able to see Strengths in Action with your three children, and um, I feel really honored. And it's such a privilege to get to know people in a in a broader sense, right? When you, you see their, their life at home and I've spent, you know, enough time with the kiddos that they have probably an impression of me. And I think their broadest impression of me is Allison will only drink wine out of a glass. And so if that's the legacy I leave with our listeners, with other humans, like drink wine out of the glass, people. It's really important. Um, but in just kind of witnessing the family dynamic, I see the complimentary partners that you and Nick are. And I have a lot of um, admiration for that. Um, I see how you work together. I see how the systems work together. Um, yesterday, they were talking about leaving the soccer game and how many bathroom stops were going to be, there, there were gonna be two. And it was very clear. And then it was going to be one. And it was like really, really clear as to what was going to happen. And I thought, wow, what would they do with me if I was in the car? Um, because I just don't, I need systems, which is one of the reasons that um, JC is such a great complimentary partner. That's why Tess is such a great complimentary partner to me as well. She puts together everything that goes on with this podcast and has a system in place that 90% of the time I don't get right when I come in. I mean, I'm just like fumbling and stumbling and I kind of can't hear, can't do this. Where, where's the link? How do I do that with my phone? And she's endlessly patient, but she's got this system down. Systems are not my jam. And so having complimentary partners is so critical. And that was something I'm hopeful that our listeners glean out of today. You know, we're three humans that, that know one another well, appreciate one another for, for gifts and talents, but we lean in on one another for those gifts and talents. And, and that's why these two amazing ladies serve on my personal board of directors, personal board of directors and um, positions of support are something that we talk about here every once in a while, but I really think would be a great deeper dive for what's ahead in 2024 for Tess and I to really kind of break that down. What does it look like to think about who's on your 
personal board? What's your mission statement? What's your vision? Um, what are your core values? You're the CEO of you, but like, who are these amazing people who, who surround and support you? And how do you lean in on them even more? Yeah, I love that. And I think this conversation, I think is such a great segue into those broader conversations because JC, you're an example of someone who lives in this, right? Like lives authentically in the space of self-awareness, of commitment to mission and vision, understanding uh, the tool and the limitations of the tools that we have available to us, right? How do we apply them? Uh, how do we move beyond them as labels, as something that we put in a drawer? And I'd really encourage, I said at the beginning, but I'd encourage you all to go back and listen to week 70 where JC, we had a first conversation uh, with her in the space of the podcast. She gave such practical tips for like how to continue to keep the language of strengths at the forefront of of your leadership, of your everyday life. Um, I still think through, I do not do it as often as I should because discipline is not high for me at all, but writing down strengths at the beginning of the day uh, was such a great, simple, but practical way to keep this language of talent at the forefront. Um, I'm curious, and this might seem contrarian to your individualization, but as we wrap up our time together, do you have words of wisdom, reflection, thoughts? I think everyone listening, including the two of us, want to grow in who we are as people and who we are as leaders in whatever that looks like. Um, you are an emulation of great leadership and thoughtful and intentional living. And so if you were to leave people with a word or two of wisdom, advice, what comes to mind? I think, you know, learner's not terribly high for me. It's like 14, um, but I like to reflect on things and think about how I could do things better and continually learn how to get better. And so the voices that you have pouring into your life really matter. Those people that are spotting strengths and talent in you really matter. And the voices that you listen to, whether it's podcasts or books, um, those make a huge difference in how you see the world. And so I think one thing I've done better lately is listening to some more opposing views and, and try to glean what I can from that. And so if you've got people in your life that think so differently than you, gosh, that is gold. Um, I think Allie does that for me a lot in just our, our worldview and how we see things are completely different. Um, but by looking through that, that lens, it's made me broaden my horizons a little bit. And so just the voices that you're listening to matter, um, I think is, is probably what I would leave you with. That's lovely. That's so great. And I think it's such a good reminder as someone who like looks at and does a lot of research around politics and the political state, right? That it's such a reality and I know isn't explicitly what you're talking about, right? Everyone has a slightly different different worldview, but like we've become so siloed and insular in our in our ideological camps. So even just um, 
challenging yourself to uh, to really try and understand another perspective uh, that's different than your own, um, as uncomfortable as that may be, right? I think we've gotten to the point of like, oh, you believe that or you support that. Well, I'm not going to listen to you then because your your views are faulty, right? Or your logic is is inaccurate. So, so that's such a it's such a good reminder. Awesome. Okay, Ali, anything anything else? Um, I lovely. A few things. I, I love that question around like what's a lesson that has stuck with you from this year and what's something you would have done differently. I think those are things that we can ask our listeners to begin to ponder um, and then further um, really examining and assessing the voices in your life um, and, and looking at being intentional about who, who you're letting speak into, who you are letting speak into your life. Uh, other things that we want to leave listeners with? I would, I would love for me, for people to ponder and, and let us know um, what comes to mind when you think about the question, what do people get wrong about you? Mm-hmm. And we could read some of those responses without necessarily identifying who they're from. We could read some of those and, um, you know, talk a little bit about even, I think, aligning them with strengths. There's a lot of assumptions that get made about talents. Mm -hmm. Um, so I think, you know, in my example of of what Sean said to me, it's assumption of woo, um, that is, is not always accurate. So I think that'd be a good question for our listeners as well. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. Anything JC that you want to challenge listeners or question that you want to leave them with? I think, you know, what are you going to be intentional about um, between now and the end of the year? You know, it's it's running short. And what were those things that you wanted to accomplish in 2023 that are maybe still on that list? Um, is there a possibility you get those things done or, um, or follow through on that, um, those intentions that you had at the beginning of the year? There's still time. Not much, but there is still time. Um, to to accomplish some of those things that you said you wanted to do this year. You probably said that for a reason. So if you didn't investigate that, why why didn't that get done? Is it just less important today? That's fine. Um, But if it really was important to you, what systems did you put in place to make sure you got it done? Or what will you do differently next year with those intentions? That's great. Oh, lovely. Oh, I love that question. I am going to think on that one myself too. Okay. Well, Thank you, JC, for joining us uh, as an incredibly wise seasoned guest and vo- guest and voice in the Jen and Millie universe, but also in the universe of individually Allison and Tess in terms of, uh, um, yeah, I feel like we've just learned so much from, from having you in our lives. And so we're so, so grateful um, for your presence. Uh, just in general, but also your willingness to join join us on this episode. So thank you, and we want to thank everyone who is tuning in. Uh, thank you for listening to episode 113 of Jen and Millie. If you enjoyed today's conversation, consider sharing this episode with a friend. To interact with us and share the responses to the questions that we pose, the best way to do so is by giving us a follow on Instagram at Jen and Millie. That's at G E N N A N D. M I L L I E. Brain pause for a second there. <laughs> Alrighty, everybody. Thanks so much. Until next time.